All right, this is a big, big week for Inappropriate Earl. Sometimes we go weeks without a show because, frankly, I can't get people to come to my house. So you people that complain about the episodes are a little sporadic. Well, you pay for the Uber, you contact these celebrities, and you get them to come to my house. Uh, you know, I recently had one 80s metal guitar player. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. I tell him, you got to come to me, and I never heard from him again. So uh, just, uh, you know, it ain't as easy as I make it appear, you fools. But thanks for listening anyway. Uh, we had a great podcast last night with Autistic Thunder, Joshua Meyerwitz. It's burning up the charts on SoundCloud. Today we have uh, a very interesting man. Uh, I've known this guy mainly through my gym, Equinox. I probably shouldn't say the name because, uh, you know, they make me pay full price for my executive membership. But uh, this is a, a man who's uh, into the music world, the MMA world, and... Uh, a real hound. He's a good man. Give it up. Put your sausage, sweaty, greasy, uh, tax-cheating fingers together for my good buddy, Mr. Josh Vialta. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Put that mic a little closer, baby. Hey, man, and, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't talk to me like that. I, well, I know. It's West Hollywood, so I don't like... Uh, <laughs> I figure you lived on this side of town. This is the gayest block on the street, <laughs> you know, because I know a few people who live on the thousand block of Larrabee and it's cool. This is like Philadelphia block. I mean, <laughs> this, uh, but I'm secure with my sexuality so I can live on a gay street. Yeah. See with the pink brass knuckles on your mic. The, oh, by the way, that, that see, this is why we have a good chemistry already. We get a sponsor plug. It's actually the only sponsor I have. The great Stephen Piercy. The singer, the voice of Rat, provides me with uh, mic knuckles for my guest and myself. Uh, so go visit Stephen Piercy at Mike Knuckles and buy a pair. Help a guy out. He's not in Rat anymore. <laughs> those, those casino gigs don't pay the bills, baby. When it's uh, Stephen Piercy, the voice of Rat playing, you know, people want to see Rat. And I've had him on the show. He's a great guy, but I never understood, like... He has a solo band, right? And they play primarily rat songs. So are they mouse? Like, would they have like a weird other name? What's the thing? Or is this well, they <laughs> Ratatouille. I don't think it's Stevens <laughs> doing, but uh, on most of the flyers, you know, it'll say Stephen Piercy, voice of rat. And, <laughs> yeah, medium sized print. <laughs> And then Rat is like the size of the Empire State Building print. But, uh, you know, it's all the schemes. We're all scheming and scamming. So uh, thank you, Stephen, if you're listening, uh, for the Mike Knuckles. And uh, he, he's a very nice man. Uh, he invited me backstage to his show, recent show at the Whiskey. And uh, it's not really backstage. It's just in the back office. <laughs> right. And he looks at me, and there's 100 people in there all kissing his ass and everything. And he's like, hey, everyone, I, I want you to meet my best friend in the world. And he's just staring at me. I'm like, Steven, it's Earl. <laughs> Skakel, you did my podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, but That's yeah. Awesome. That awkward thing, like, uh, yeah, uh, I forgot your name kind of deal. Well, I'm sure you've experienced that, or maybe you haven't. Like, I know you know a lot of MMA fighters. Yeah. And you probably see them at, like, I know you were recently at a, uh, what was it, the Health LA? Uh, the LA Fit Expo. And I'm sure you saw these, like, uh, Clay Guida. You, yeah. And, That's you a good know, buddy of mine. He's awesome, man. Great. Uh, cool dude. Is he still at, he's still active, right? Yeah, he's fighting in uh, April something around Easter. He's fighting, man. That guy's a fucking beast, man. That guy's awesome. Like, I mean, 
he's only been i mean dan who stopped him chad mendez He's tough dude. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of his uh, fighting style. You know, I like a little more action. You talking about <laughs> talking about Clay or Chad? Clay. Oh, I mean, he could kick my ass. Let, <laughs> let's just throw. It, it, I'm sure Clay might listen to this. <laughs> I make sure to uh, tag him on it just so. And Mr. Guida, it, well, you don't have to tag him. I'll just take a chance. He might listen to it. Uh, I'll he, tag him and say, "Look, this guy's talking to shit you at this time." Well, I'm not really talking shit. I, mean, I know you're you know, not. I, but I, what, what what do you like? What do you, what don't you like about his style? I mean, he. I don't want to say. Uh, he's more of a counter. Uh, I like guys who uh, like a guy like Overeem from the from the standpoint of he's got his hands down, chin out, throwing bombs. He's gonna get yeah. Knocked. Ask Bigfoot about that. <laughs> well, you know uh, what happens when you do that. Over, Wait, which Overeem? Pride Overeem or UFC Overeem? Well, I, I like the Overeem that fought... Uh, Brock Lesnar, the only one he had. Yeah, when he, uh, let's just say, uh, and this might l lend into our first topic, uh, let's just say he was on some special vitamins. <laughs> I'm not saying he was, I have no proof. He's but, a Flintstone kid. Well, when you're, uh, you know, I think in 2003 he fought Chuck Liddell. Uh, yep. And I think he was 205. If that, and he looked like a a black me, like you know, <laughs> I'm not like overly muscular, but you know, I'm a relatively big guy, and now he looks like, you know, the Incredible Hulk. Well, now, not now, now he looks like. Now he looks like, like yeah, you're right. Well, b back when he fought uh, Lesnar, he uh, right. looked, you know, pretty beefy. Yeah, pretty much. If you ever, if you ever go look back and like look at the uh, weigh-in of that when he took his shirt off, everybody's like, holy shit, like. And you see, like, Joe Rogan's face, everybody's like, God damn, you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, right there, I mean, he was sweating juice at that moment, you know what I mean? I mean, you know when Rogan goes, wow, that's a big guy. You know, <laughs> he's a big guy. Because I think his ratio was, like, 19 to 1, something like that. It was 14 like to 1? Yeah. And the normal is, like, someone like you and me is, like, 3 or 4 to 1 at the high end. Right, at the uh, high end, yeah. I, I think... Two to one is like what most guys are. Yeah, he was nineteen or fourteen to one or some crazy shit. And, and then Bigfoot was uh, not in that. Uh, you know, he got popped once in his. Uh, well, supposedly it's because his pituitary gland, because he has giantism. Look, you know, he had to get his uh, his pituitary gland taken out, and then uh, that's why supposedly he takes it. But the weird thing about him is he has giantism, that but he's not that tall. Like he's like six four. Like you know, Andre the Giant had that disease. Right. He was like seven four. You know, Bigfoot like has the head of someone seven foot four, <laughs> but the body of a six foot two or three person. Well, because let me ask you this: I I'm just a fan. Right. I can't critique uh, anyone's fighting style, uh, even though I just did with Clay. Well, that makes you know. I'm a fan too. I've trained for a while, you know, on and off, but I'm a I'm a fan. Been a fan since pretty much UFC one. Running it at VHS in the special interest section, wrestling, faces of death, and uh, you know UFC. Oh, I did the same thing at at the Best Buy on Pico and Gateway. I don't know why I gave the intersection, but <laughs> I would go there every Tuesday uh, where they'd have new releases, and and you would get uh, you know the U people forget how archaic the UFC used to be. Oh yeah, uh, you know guys like you and me don't, but you know that was when like Don Fry. Yep was fighting guys who were coming to the ring in a hoodie from their own closet. <laughs> yeah, yep. Like no sponsors. It was yeah. just, we're doing this for fun. Yep. And Chemo. 
Oh my God! Ponytail ripped out. I mean that. Yeah, I mean, uh, and Royce Gracie beating all of them, which is really insane. That's what really would get me into it. I saw, I saw Royce fight. I was like, man, that guy is small and everybody. He's whipping everybody's ass, submitting people. I was like, man, this is pretty badass. And then I always thought about like doing it and getting into it, but like I lived, I grew up in Louisiana, and um, there was just you know, it's like they have a boxing gym like forty miles from me, and then they had like a kickboxing gym thirty miles the opposite way, and then they had a wrestling gym like fifty miles the opposite from those two ways. So it was just like, fuck, man, I can't do shit. So Vitor Belfort and Horace Grace are my two favorites ever, like growing up, and uh. They're just badasses, man. So watching the basically the barbaric era of UFC, if you call it, you know, where there's no no uh, weight classes, no uh, no rules, pretty much, except what eye gouging and biting. You know, it was pretty. And even that was kind of like you could do it once or twice, <laughs> right? And that was it was crazy because those guys did it for fucking fun. I mean, it's pretty nuts when you think about it. I mean, they don't get paid that well now. So and where what UFC one eighty four? Yep. You can imagine what uh, you know Don Fry or you know. Chemo, uh, you know, uh, Tank that, Abbott. Uh, well, Tank Abbott, I don't, I don't think he really cared what he was getting paid. He was just so oh, this is fun, you know. I saw him once at an Alan Ed's Auto Sound, and I want, you know, so much to go up to him. Go, hey man, I'm a big fan, and he just looks so fucking mean and angry. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Man. Have you seen him lately? He wears that weird ass wig. Oh, does he wear a wig? He wears the weird. It's like a toupee kind of. Do you gotta see? It. It's fucking weird looking. You gonna tell him to take it off? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I saw who did he fight re recently in somebody's backyard? Was it him and like Pedro Hizo? I think it was. Oh, I think I saw that. Uh, I, I don't. It, it was someone like Pedro Hizo. Yeah. Uh, Oleg Tatarov or something like that. I saw that guy uh, Oleg at a comedy show once and. He wasn't laughing at anybody. <laughs> and, you know, I went up there last. Not, I wouldn't say headlining, but just going on last. Chris Rock headlines, I go on last. Uh, and he was just looking at me, and I I, uh, I got him on an MMA joke, and he cracked a smile. So he's a very intimidating-looking guy. I'm sure, man. I mean, and, he's a – this guy's back in the day, man. Bare knuckle, like, that's pretty crazy when you think about it, like how how it's evolved, you know? It really, I mean, I – you know, I feel bad because – I. I kind of liked it back then better. Like, but they were funner to watch. Like now it's well when they started getting like more, you know, like trying to make it into a sport. I thought it was, I thought it was cool, and I loved how all of the cards were stacked. You know, yeah, I loved how it's like, man, there's a UFC on. I don't give a shit what I'm doing. I gotta find somebody, some place, or somebody to order it. And uh, I love how that was. And I understand that they're trying to, you know, make it huge and try to make it like soccer or, you know, the NFL with the sponsorships. And I get it. I mean, it's business. But I just wish my opinion on that whole thing is, I know we're jumping around back and forth. No, but this ago. is. This but uh, uh, I wish, in my opinion, I wish UFC would let, have the fight, fight sports one fight cards, uh, have them separate from UFC. In other words, UFC, the pay-per-view should be the top 10, the top 10 guys in each weight class. And the all the other guys should be on the Fox Sports 1 cards and all that. And basically, you you earn your way to, to the pay-per-views in the main UFC card. And I think that's a good way of like getting people in, seeing if they have what it takes. And if they, you know, they can't make the cut, then you don't get to the pay-per-view where you make the, the big money and the big stack cards. That's just my opinion. But you know, like a, just... Well, I agree. I mean, uh, to me, the biggest problem, uh, 
is that there's so many cards now because they have so many, like literally, what, 500 fighters on the active roster? Pretty much, yep. And uh, like back when I, uh, when the UFC, I think, was right after the Ultimate Fighter kind of resurging, uh, you know, even the preliminary fights were like main event fighters. Yeah. And, you know, now it's almost the opposite where you've got guys who probably shouldn't be on a main card on one because it's like we gotta you know we're paying these guys we gotta like get something out of them and i don't know it's just and some of the people that headline the, the pay-per-view cards like look if you're in the ufc obviously you, you know you're at the top of the league but i think i think some of that has uh they've had to bend a little bit to who they accept them back in the day it's like look you weren't getting in unless you were the shit like unless you were like the baddest guy in the world you weren't getting in and now they've been lenient because they've had to be because they have so many cards and so many obligations to uh to fill fight cards, which like I said, I wish the pay per view were like the, the the top ten, top twelve people, and that that's the people that get to the card. And the Fox Sports one would be like the um, you know, like the minor league or something, you know. No, I agree. I mean, now I think uh, I think Mike Pyle was like a year ago on a main event. It's like nothing against him because I know he's paid his dues and like, you know, deserves some bones. But it's like Jesus Christ, you yeah, know, this, this guy should not be. <laughs> he's a he's and you know what? He was on a badass streak like what like two year a year and a half ago, two years ago, and then somebody knocked him out. I forget who it was and completely derailed what he was doing because he was he was he was really fucking some people up for a while. I mean, he's always been a tough dude. I went and trained a couple times at uh, Extreme Couture in Vegas, and. uh uh, I had heard from pretty much everybody that trained there, like he was like the toughest guy in the gym. Oh yeah, I mean it's no disrespect to him uh, yeah. at all, but um, I you know it's just like, and I'm not saying I I want every fight to be you know Bigfoot, Silva, Mark Hunt, you know, rock 'em, sock 'em robots. <laughs> uh, that was a badass fight though. Oh my god, I mean, it, and that might have been the fight where Bigfoot got caught. It was. Uh, it was. And, uh, I mean, we know Mark Hunt's not Royden. <laughs> yeah, that guy, I, I don't know, man. That guy has a steel chin. But, hey, you know, Verdum got him pretty damn good, you know? Yeah, that well, awesome. you know, and you know Verdum's not, uh, well, you know, it's weird. He's got, he's a big guy for sure, uh, you know. You remember when he fought Alistair Overeem in one of his last, Alistair Strike Force. last fight? Strike Force. That was like his, Alistair Overeem's last fight. I think in strike force and for doom just like would lay to the ground. He didn't want to stand up with him because his stand up wasn't great. Now all of a sudden the motherfucker went in some, you know, hidden dungeon and just trained stand up. And that guy, his stand up is fucking amazing. Like when he fought, uh, I was at the fight when he fought uh, Roy Nelson, man, his stand up looked amazing. And he was just, he was just beating the shit out of Roy with, with, uh, Oh yeah. And everything, man. Same thing with, uh, and his fight with Travis Brown. Oh yeah, um, I thought Travis was gonna take that one, but and uh, you know I love Verdum, but of course he's uh, he's the man who started my favorite fighter's downfall, Fedor. Uh, <laughs> man, I remember watching that. Man, that was like that was so that was I sad. It. I couldn't believe it. it was like it's kind of like uh, you know the fucking the boyhood dream was done. You know what I mean? Like over finish, bro. Well, I mean it's just like. And, you know, if you watch that fight, he totally suckered Fedor into coming down because Fedor didn't land that last punch. Right, right. I think Verdum kind of stumbled. 
And he acted like he got hit. And Theodore was like, I got him. And like, no, you don't. And, you know. Put the triangle on. It was over. But he came out. He popped out for a second. And, you know, I think he was probably not cocky, but like, I'm Fedor. And he went back in. Yeah. Like, oh, what are you doing, dude? And that was the end of And that was the beginning of the end for Fedor. And I literally cried in Fedor's next fight when Bigfoot just got on top <laughs> of him. <laughs> Man, he like, Hulk. <laughs> yep. Hammer fist like, him, dude. I was like, oh, my God. Look like us. Oh. Was it Superman? Was it three? When the guy from the sun? Yeah, yeah. Started pounding the blonde the guy. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, get up! And there was that one second where he tried to, you know, rate, you know, did a bridge with his hips, and he's like, he almost got out, and then just just the last second, he just went limp. And but like, they they stopped. <laughs> Bam Bam. They Bam Bam, or like the dude, what was the guy's name in Superman? But whatever, we got the main bad guy. Whatever. Uh, but, well, no one watched Superman three, so. They, <laughs> well, that was the one that, that they stopped that in between rounds. They told me, remember they said they yeah. couldn't continue. They didn't stop the fight. Couldn't see. Well, his face looked like, you know, Houston's vagina after like number four hundred and <laughs> her gangbang film. Holy shit! Old reference there. Yeah. Well, I just watched a. Uh, usually, I don't like to plug things on here because you know, like I said, you know, you want Daddy to plug you, uh, pay me, but. Uh, <laughs> There's a great documentary on Netflix uh, called Life After Porn. Huh. And uh, even if you don't watch porn, it's kind of an interesting... Uh, uh, and Houston was on it. What's she up to? Uh, was the documentary looked, good first? Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. like, uh, you know, even... I would recommend this to... Even if you don't watch porn, it's just kind of fascinating how they take these, you know, three or four stars in that business. And it's like Life After Porn. You know, one girl's a mother... You know, one guy is... Uh, Dad, how did you meet Mom? Yeah. <laughs> well, he actually they, they did have a story like that where it's like, well, we were working together. And the kid's like, you know, and they show the kid's face like, oh, where? And, you know, Dad got out of it somehow. But, Damn. you know, uh, she was in it and, you know, she looked like... Uh, boy. Like the train ran over? I mean, she looked like Stallone in the last Expendables movie where his <laughs> bones are trying to escape his face. But uh, I actually don't watch porn, but, you know, yeah. just the close-ups. I mean, this is... In, I just got a new TV. I see. And, uh, you know, can you imagine watching porn on this? It'd be a little over, I mean, overbearing, I think. You'd feel like you were on the crew. <laughs> Get your 3D glasses out, man. You're, this is 3D capable, uh, uh, but I don't know if I'd want to watch a porn in 3D. I mean, the last thing I want to see is Lexington Steel's dick coming at me. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, Fedor did not. Uh, and then he lost to Henderson. Uh, you oh, know. God, that was, a, that was another one that was so, like... I could, I mean, I could believe it because Henderson hits hard, but like, you know, Fedor was like, he, you know, he, like the Fedors and the Dan Hendersons and other guys from the, the first era, you know, they, they, they stick to their styles and that's it, which is great. You know, it works for him. Henderson's still, he's, you know, he's still tough. He's still hanging. But like, once people figure out their style, it's like Chuck Liddell had a yeah. great style for the day. And as soon as people are like, okay, that's what he's going to do. Just counter with him and fucking knock him out. You know, it's like, damn, that sucks. And the only one I think that's evolved a lot, in my opinion, who's one of my favorites of all time is Vitor Belfort. Well, he's had some help. <laughs> I think. Hey, allegedly. Well, hey, how about the spinning back kick that he did with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Bisping was? No, no. The spinning back kick he did to Luke Rockhold. Holy shit. And I felt, you know, listen, I, I uh, 
you know, like I said, me and Josh are just fans, although you're more entrenched in that world because you uh, have done some training. Uh, but, you know, me and Vitor Belfort are around the same age. And I can assure you from my perspective, <laughs> you don't get bigger, faster and stronger in your 40s. It's well, just, I mean, shit, he's been popped a couple times. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, there's no hiding it at that point. But I mean, you and know, he's holding out right now, man, because he knows that like, this is his last run. And what? Uh, Chris Wyman gets hurt again. Every month that goes by. He's like, he's like, fuck it, I'm waiting. His testosterone is dropping <laughs> lower than mine. Uh, so maybe maybe that's what they're doing. Who knows, you know? Well, I mean, I've got to... trying a, to ice them like they ice the kickers in football. Yeah, it's, but... Well, you might be right. I mean, Weidman... I, I always felt very bad for Rockhold in that fight because I think he's an amazing fighter. And it's just like he's clearly playing by the rules and you know it's like you're in there against someone who isn't it's you know i mean you know another thing with that is like with the with the whole juicing thing and the peds and all that it's such a you know all these guys like when they started coming up you know they had the bellators bellator and the pride and you know ufc and you know, world series of fighting everybody went dude look they, all those companies exist and no disrespect to anybody that fights with them or you know but ufc is like the big show in town you know it's like do you want to be in WWF or whatever, WWE or TNA? You know, it's like, come on, really? More exposure, potential more money, whatever. I mean, when UFC was building their 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 empire, basically, it's like, look, if you're not good enough, you lose two fights, you're done. So it's kind of like, you know, you work your whole life to get there. Let's say you're playing football in the Pee Wee League, and then you get to high school, and then you get to college, and it's like, if you fuck up two times in the NFL and they cut you, I mean, that'd be insane. You worked your whole life to get there, then you get cut. So what happens? People for job security, they get nuts and they're willing to do whatever it takes to be there. So it kind of, in a sense, unfortunately, lend itself to that way because they're like, I cannot lose this opportunity. Oh, I don't, uh, you know, especially if you're in the top five guys. I mean, uh, I just assume so, everyone's on it. I, I would have a hard time believing that the top five guys in any weight class are natural. How about in any sport period? Oh yeah, it, go, it goes beyond UFC. I mean, I, look, like the NFL. I think they test one time a year, and everybody knows when it's going to be. I mean, so what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, basically, I mean, even fucking Lance Armstrong, he rides a goddamn bicycle. You know what I mean? It's like even he was doing it because he wanted to keep his, you know, where he was. You know, but look, I mean, what do you think, in your opinion, should be the way to resolve that? Well, I think it's different in MMA from the stand. Like I had a friend of mine who was a hockey enforcer, and he played in the NHL for ten years. He was very much on uh, the goodies. Uh, and <laughs> did they test ever? Um, I don't think they do in the NHL. Uh, I know they test for stuff like a lot of players were taking Sudafed because it uh, clears your nasal passages. It huh. gives you like, and it's like a little bit of uh, not speed, but uh, get, get you going. I think it's also uh, something in Sudafed is one of the main ingredients for meth. Like, uh, I think they crush it and there's something in it. So I think they test for that and uh, maybe weed. I mean, <laughs> I, that's look, I don't even smoke weed. I just think it's so fucking stupid. Like, man, I mean, really? Like, who gives a shit if you smoke weed? You know, it's, it's. I don't, but, you know, what I don't like about the, not just the UFC, but, uh, you know, it's hard to say not just them when they're, you know, basically 80% of the business. <laughs> um, like, they come down so hard on Nick Diaz for smoking weed uh, and suspend him for nine months. And, and I know he 
kind of brings a lot of stuff on on himself. But you know, John Jones is, you know, the, probably the greatest fighter ever. Uh, I mean, I've never seen someone beat you at what you're good at. You know, he does blow, and it's like one that shows you how great he is. He was in rehab for one day. <laughs> he should write, you know, how to beat uh, addiction in one day. And that's just not to say he's look, he's addicted or whatever. But like, I mean. A lot of people, they, they know. I mean, the guy's been partying for a while. He's a young dude. I mean, he wrecked his Bentley, uh, you know, with, you know, what was, I think it was like strippers in the car or some chicks in the car. I like can't was, hate him for that. He's partying then, you know, it's like, look, he's a young dude. He's on top of the top of his game. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's the problem when it, it's too much, too soon, too fast with a bunch of yes people around. Look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was the same fucking thing. And he talks about it all the time. Like everybody around was like, yes, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you like. Oh, that's great. And if you ever had, I mean, I'm sure you've been around, uh, obviously a bunch of people that are famous or sure. well-known or well-respected, all that shit. And you'll notice sometimes that all the people around, like, <laughs> oh, you're so funny. It's like, that shit wasn't funny. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that's some- the people I know that tell me that, <laughs> but they, you know, get some self-respect. It's like all these people, they hang around people like that. that are enablers and like, yeah, you're the greatest. Da, da, da. So there's just so many aspects of like that when you enable those people, you allow those people in your life that just, they don't fucking stop you and stop you in your tracks, you know? And, yeah, yeah, I know for sure. And I, I have a feeling like when John Jones loses, because there's no way anybody goes undefeated, it's just not possible that I think that's going to be a real test of, you know, does he have what it take to come back from that? Because if you start believing your own hype and you fall down your face Sometimes it's hard to get back up. I'm not saying it is for him. I'm just saying he hasn't been there yet. Well, that's, uh, you know, your analogy of Tyson, I think, is perfect because, you know, I think with Tyson, there was just a couple things happened. His manager died, I think, Gustamato. Yep. And then I think. Mentor. Yeah. He's, uh, he's man, I don't know if he actually was his actual manager, but he was definitely his, uh, like, Judo Gene LaBelle is to Rousey. Yep. Uh, but. And then Mike Tyson, in my opinion, is the best fighter to fucking ever exist. Oh my God. But you know, I think so when he died and then I think the two razor Ruddock, everyone talks about the downfall being Buster Douglas, but well, that's what really woke him up. That was the turning point. If you think about it, but I think the turning point uh, of his decline was the two razor Ruddock fights. uh, Cause Ruddock was really the first guy in both fights (laughs) to say, I'm going to stand right in front of you. I'm going to take your best shot and I'm going to give you a few shots. And he didn't really come close to winning either fight, but it was the first time I think in Tyson's boxing life where someone was like, come, come at me. And I think that caused a little doubt in his mind. And then Buster Douglas did the very same strategy of I'm going to, and Buster Douglas was, you know, we all remember him on the mat. Uh, against Holyfield, but that guy was a very good fighter. He just talked about too much too soon. He gets a $24 million paycheck and was like... Beat the best in history, and then, you know... I mean... He was believing his own hype, too. I mean... Well, I've never seen a guy at at that Holyfield fight. I knew it was a bad sign when his nipples were pointing at his toes. (laughs) Um but he, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit because that, you know, it, you know this business as well as I do, entertainment or MMA, you're remembered by your last fight. Yep. And, you know, his greatest Fedor was, uh, most American fans anyway, remember him for getting killed three straight <laughs> fights. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? And you're talking what was at that time 
the previous John Jones, like undefeated for 10 years, yeah. beat everyone in their prime. Yep. And then uh, I don't really count the last three wins he did. You know, Jeff. he was getting worked by Andre Avlovsky at that affliction fight. Yeah, and then Avlovsky went for that flying <laughs> Superman punch. And, Stupid. Well, you know, it, and it's funny we talk about Tyson and and you know, you know, I think Fedor's downfall was, was actually the Brett Rogers fight, which he oh, won. Yeah. yeah, Brett Rogers was a dude who was literally working at a tire store. <laughs> yep two years before the Fedor fight, and he was giving Fedor problems. Yeah. And, you know, Fedor, I don't want to say got lucky, but, you know, threw one of his right bombs, and it's like, wow, he shouldn't be struggling against this guy. Yeah. It's like, um, and, you know, I think one of the main things is with people like Fedor, and, like, there's a lot of guys in the MMA community who, Chuck Liddell, you know, their loyalty kind of is their downfall, meaning if Fedor and Chuck Liddell would have went to different training camps would it train with different people would a got to have the normal routine that they were they were just so comfortable and used to they're like oh if it's not if it ain't broke don't fix it i get that analogy but when you're starting to have trouble with people that you used to not have trouble with or you knew you could have kicked their ass it's time for a change you know what i mean that's just the way i always thought about it i mean chuck liddell started to during his last couple of fights my buddy uh scott epstein uh started training him in uh, uh jujitsu 10th planet so that was weird for Chuck to start like focusing on jujitsu, and I was like, "Wait, what? He he does he does jujitsu? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought he was just a, you know, a fucking overhand right, you know? But um, you know, but it was a little too late for that, you know. And Fedor never left Russia and didn't bring people in that could help him yeah. expand on who he was. So you can't train with your buddies over in Kiev, who I'm sure are tough guys, right? But you know, you need to like. That's what I like about Velasquez. You know, he gets in there with Cormier and Rockhold every day. And, and you know, I even Overeem went to the Black Zillions. And, you know, it didn't work out too well for him. Speaking of Kane, man, how about people getting hurt in MMA like crazy? He's not on roids. I'll tell you that much right now. No one, <laughs> I mean, his nipples might be, but... Uh, <laughs> I want to have a fight with uh, Josh Barnett and Velasquez, and I think if their nipples rub up against each other, <laughs> we might start a fire. Oh, Jesus, man. One thing about Kane, man, he's a good buddy of mine. That guy I'm just kidding, awesome. Kane. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, he's so uh, he's so quiet until you get to know him, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you're like, wow, he's a really nice guy. And then you think about, like, this guy's fucking dangerous as hell. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, my God, it's cardio. Yeah, that too. When he fought Junior... And just embarrassed him. God, dude. I mean, uh, but here's the thing. Like, I think everyone's eventually building up to Jones moving up to heavyweight. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. when he fought Cormier, I'm like, I really thought Cormier was going to win. I thought he'd get inside, he'd take him down, and, you know, just, you know, there's no way Jones is going to get him off. And I still am blown away that, Jones took him down five yeah. times. Yeah, I I would have bet any amount of money. Yeah, right. On the under being maybe once or two, two times, and so I I used to think there's no way Jones would beat Velasquez. There's it's just not possible. And I, I got to be honest with you, I'll, I'll never doubt Jones again in terms of his. As crazy as it sounds, that he, I mean, do you think he could beat Velasquez? Uh, this is the problem. This is the this is. Well, Kane has he's I think he's faster. He hits harder than Daniel Cormier. Um, is his wrestling on point? Maybe not. But 
Kane, man, he knows how to move in there and he's fast. He's not like your normal, typical heavyweight, you know, he's quick. Um, but you know, what sucks is like, what's Kane going to be at? Like after, he, I mean, he's been hurt for so goddamn long. You know, yeah. And that's what we're like, you were trying to move earlier about with the injuries. It's like Kane hurt. He's been out for goddamn, like, I don't even know, eight months. Uh, Rashad Evans has been hurt for oh, almost two years. He's another ACL surgery. Another one. You know, he hasn't, when he, by the time he gets back, he hasn't fought in two years. Dominic Cruz, another badass, <sighs> amazing fighter, kind of has a bat, badass, uh, you know, comeback fight, whoops that dude's ass quick, can't, gets hurt again. It's like, dude, the amount of injuries is just insane. And I, I don't think people really understand. I've had a torn ACL, and obviously I'm not putting myself on their athletic ability level, but it's tough, man. I mean, any side movement you do, which in MMA is a lot, it, it, the next step you could blow it. Just and that's the thing. Look at GSP when he came back. He wasn't really. He, I mean, he wasn't really the same after that either. When he fight Johnny Hendricks, and he wasn't the same GSP he was before that. Is that a testament to Johnny Hendricks or his knee? I don't know, but he wasn't the same. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, you know injuries, but I think they probably a lot of these guys come back too soon. Certainly not in Velasquez's case because you know, he's just always hurt, uh, and he's an elite athlete. So you can't say. It's just bad luck in his part. And I feel bad for Verdum because no one really is like, well, you wouldn't have beaten Velasquez. But, you know, it's what are you going to do? It's like, you know, Verdum's like, I think he's the only guy who could potentially beat Kane. Just because, and this is just a fan talking, uh, you are much more familiar with uh, critiquing uh, guys than I am because you do it. But I think even if Kane takes him down, that's almost what Verdum wants. Oh yeah, I have a feeling that they'll 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 set up to get taken down. Probably will invite Kane to take to to take him down so he can submit him. I guess uh, I think that's the best way and the only way I think I see Verdum beating Kane is by submission. Because I think if it goes more than two rounds, and I love Verdum, he's he's one of my tops. I, I see him gassing. Oh yeah. I mean, look at the the pressure Velasquez puts on guys. It's just, it's like of a Demetrius Johnson. He's like constantly in your face and he never gets tired. And, and he, he hits hard as fuck. Yeah, he doesn't get credit for, you know, because of his uh, amazing wrestling background. Uh, but, I mean, that's a fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, I mean, because the heavyweight division is kind of a weird division right now. It's like who, who's in it that's making noise. I Kane, mean, Verdum. I mean, it, I feel bad for Dos Santos because it's like where. I mean, you know, I, no one wants to see a, a Velasquez JDS four. I mean, it's not. In the last fight, he took a lot of punishment. Yeah, uh, against Miocic, who I think just signed uh, breaking news on inappropriate Earl. Uh, excuse me, bloody <laughs> elbow and MMA junkie. That uh, Mark Hunt is yeah. fighting Stepe Miocic That's in Adelaide. Uh, they just keep Mark Hunt in Adelaide, in uh, Australia, and New Zealand. Well, it's kind of like keeping Rory McDonald in Canada. Uh, I get it. Uh, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, I guess he fights. Uh, well, Boston and Ireland are basically the same place. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I get you got to keep your own, you know, GSP fought a lot in Toronto and Montreal. Uh, I was at that big fight, the really big one. The one in Jake uh, Shields. In oh, that was, fight was awful. Yeah, it was that was, I, I, I went to a bunch of the UFC cards, but that one in his own in his home country, walking out, and everybody's like in his home country, huh, huh? Like people were like, "Fuck GSP, fuck it sucks." I was like, 
That was boring fight, man. Well, yeah. Shields is like a uh, jujitsu, like not boring. Uh, and once again, he could kill me, but he's uh, he's a jujitsu dude. Yeah, I get it. You know, I'm not. You know, like I said, I, I don't expect every fight to just be Dan Henderson and Fedor just standing in front of each other throwing bombs. But that is kind of why I like Strike Force because I love Scott Coker. He, I think, believes a little bit more in the entertainment. Yeah. You know, which is why they'll, you know, give Dan Henderson someone who they know will just walk in a straight line at him. And, uh, you know, the, who was it, Tank Abbott? And uh, this, is, this is my prediction for Bellator this year. I have a feeling that they're going to change – their their structure of how they do business that they're gonna they're gonna aim to only get in the top talent that they can the best fighters in the world the people that can make the the name in, in the industry next and they're gonna turn it into old school monday night wars wcw versus wwf because i view bellator as ted turner yeah as wcw because they have viacom viacom is ted turner uh spike tv is tnt and Scott Coker is like Eric Bischoff. And I have a feeling that they're just going to, they have all the money. They're going to offer people ridiculous money that they'll never get paid anywhere else just to have a fighting chance against UFC because they have the money to do it and they build the right fights. Like what they signed Kimbo. What if they signed Brock Lesnar? Okay. And he came in there and made Kimbo versus Brock Lesnar. That right there would be fucking massive just because people want to see it. Is it going to be the best fight in the world? Probably not. Is it going to, are people going to tune in to see it? Absolutely. Oh, I want, I mean, uh, I, 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 it's funny. I agree with you completely on this. Cause I think, you know, if you remember the wrestling wars, I think you need four things to compete against either the WWE or the UFC, which basically, uh, one in the same, one almost. in the same. And in, in their industries is, uh, you need a short term plan, which is signing like a Lesnar or like when uh, WCW was signing Hogan and, and they Kevin brought Nash. back floor, 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 flair, Rick floor, uh, Rick Ron the floor. They brought in <laughs> the, the old tigers outfielder. Uh, and then <laughs> they had a middle uh, midterm plan of the, like they had the NWO thing. And then, uh, you know, Bellator could, uh, you know, maybe sign some young uh you Top know, guys in the in the United States that aren't in UFC. Yeah, independent guys, and then you know the long term plan is you know good fights, interesting pay per views, and then you need the money to carry out all state all those stages. And I think the only thing WCW didn't do is they never had a long term plan. It was well, like, uh, the best example I think I, I forget. I think it was every, pretty much every interview I've heard about the Monday Night Wars is they talk about how they let the inmates run the asylum. They let you know, Kevin Nash and all those guys like book their own shit. You can't let people, that's a conflict of fucking interest. How are you going to let people, I mean, Kevin Nash didn't lose for a long time. You know what I mean? Like he, they did that on purpose. And that was the downfall of them when NWO was like 50 people deep. That was stupid as hell. That was a dumb idea. And once I started seeing that, I'm like, they're on their way out. Well, I knew once, sucks. uh, Fucking Virgil was in the NWO. I was like, all right, this and Horace Hogan. It's like, oh man, this is tough. And and, I, and the NWO Red and NWO Mexico. It's like, all right, enough already. And I, you knew that's on their way out. So if they would have devised their plan better, and instead of just like, okay, because they won the short term, the short term. Oh, for two years yeah. they beat them in the ratings. But then the long term, they didn't have any, and it fucking folded on them. I think if Bellator 
and this is what I see just happening that they're gonna they're gonna sign somebody huge. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign Brock Lesnar because they're gonna. I have a feeling they're gonna approach Brock and be like, "Hey, man, let's be realistic here. You're older. You go to UFC. Kane already whooped her ass. Let's figure this out. We'll put make you the biggest star ever. We have the Viacom machine. We'll push you ever. We we'll make you a humongous star. The whole company is gonna revolve around you. We're gonna feed you people. Make you look like a goddamn monster. You're gonna get paid." 10 times more than you would in the UFC, maybe. And the company's going to revolve around you. How the fuck would you turn that down? Well, in his case, and he's one of the very few guys who could probably, I don't know if money's important to him from the standpoint of he's made so much in wrestling. Right. I think I want to say something around 10 million a year. It's some crazy amount that uh, the elite athlete in him might say, I want to fight the best. Uh, that's true. Uh, and he has a relationship with Dana, so. But I think anyone lesser than him would go on your plan. Well, yeah, well, I'll just fight some tomato cans, almost like kind of like Fedor and Pride, you know. <laughs> they yep. uh, fought, you know, he fought the best, but he also fought guys like Hong Man Choi and, <laughs> you know. Jose Canseco uh, fought Hong Man Choi. <laughs> yeah, so like when you could say that Jose Canseco and you have fought the same guy, it's probably not uh, a guy you want high up. But, you know, that, that was the thing with WCW is their short and midterm plans were great. And Ted Turner can shit out what Vince McMahon makes in a week, <laughs> which is crazy to think that. Yeah. Uh, but they had no long-term plan. It was a, when, when the NWO started dying, uh, it was like, oh. We'll, we'll pause that real quick, though. Do you remember how fucking awesome it was when you are watching WCW? Because back then it was like so... You didn't know what the hell was going on because it wasn't so out in the internet at this point. You couldn't go up to websites and see what was going on. Obviously, you knew, you know, it was a work, as they say, which was means it's fake and it was all planned out. But like I remember watching WCW and then and I knew that you know how much they hate each other. And I said, when I saw Scott Hall on WCW TV, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I would I that never even crossed my mind. Like, what I'm like, what the hell has happened? And they played it so well. Oh, uh, that was they played it amazingly. And then when Kevin Nash came in. That was, I mean, it was just genius. The way they did it, the way they planned out, the way they, it was perfectly timed. And then the turn of Hulk Hogan is like the biggest turn oh, in history. I tell I people. I couldn't believe when that happened. That when, that was wrestling 9-11. I mean, when, <laughs> no, I'm serious. It was, man. I mean, when Hogan dropped that second leg on uh, Savage, uh, that was like the second plane hitting the tower. I mean, it was just like, oh, fuck. There's literally a guy, if you watch that clip, you pull it up on YouTube, just bash at the beach, 96. I've watched it so many times. Me too, me too. There's a guy in an ECW shirt in the front row. Sunglasses? No, uh, he kind of looks like Damien Sandow, but balding. Oh, uh, he's crying. Like, this is a guy <laughs> in his 40s. And when Hogan, like you know, did the second drop and then Holland Nash come in and he starts doing the greatest speech ever. I bet much better than MLK speech. <laughs> you and know. you can stick it. <laughs> yeah. Cause he was speaking. That might be the only, uh, pro wrestling speech where the guy probably meant 90% of what he said. <laughs> and I've got it memorized per batum. I've held my head high. I've done everything for the kids. I did everything for the charities <laughs> and the reception I got when I came out here. You fans can stick, stick it, it, brother. 
<laughs> I remember seeing that. I was like, damn. And then he said, got really real in the next chorus. He's like, because if it wasn't for me, Eric Bischoff would still be selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. I was like, wow, that's a deep reference. And, that's, shit. Uh, that's, that's what was cool because you're like, if you remember like a couple of nitros after that, people would jump in the ring. Oh, yeah. The fans would really try to fight them. Well, that it was night. So real. There was a, if you, if you, once again, if you watch that uh, Bash at the Beach, the whole clip is just brilliant. Uh, some fat dude, you could tell he wasn't a mark. He was like a legit fan and tried to storm the ring and like tall is like kicking yeah, him in the I head. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. man. It's like, oh, fuck, this is like real. They had a couple times uh, with the NWO, the whole thing, that fans were just so fucking, I mean, it was perfect, man. I mean, that's the closest thing to... How when like ECW man, how they made it so real, you know what I mean? Like they made it so real, like it felt real. It, it's like the fans got into. It. I don't know if you ever saw ECW live back in the day, but they used to travel in the south a lot, and uh, it was just fucking amazing, man. Like you'd see people in there, and like I mean, pe fans would bring like you know shit to the the to the to the match, like right. they'd bring frying pans and stop signs because back when they first started whatever they brought they would use Fans oh yeah like a stop sign they used a stop sign so it was just like it felt so real and that's what the difference was that's why when i saw ecw i was like this shit is awesome you know and that's when ecw i mean wcw when they made that turn with hogan it felt in nwo was felt, felt like wow that's pretty badass well because you could tell during that speech hogan like uh you know hated Vince McMahon because yeah. uh, I think the WWE around that time was doing like these sketches with you know kind of lampooning billion, billion dollar what was it uh, uh, they did the Nacho Man yeah did, uh, Hulkster but I know The Rock was like really like ripping into like Hogan and the older guys and yeah. uh, you know Macho Man and, and you could just tell like hogan like he was tensing up and like you know i was selling out the world while all these johnny come lately's were bumming gas still putting their car to get to high school it's like well, that's true and you can't say it's not true yep. uh you think wrestling you think hulk hogan do you remember the turning point that switched the the two-year uh winning streak would switch to there wasn't it mcmahon uh in austin nope. what uh one more uh, well, I mean, there was a couple. You know, it's like trying to track Tyson's downfall. It's like there's well, this one they, they actually they they put to it. They put like they talk about it. What? It was when because uh, you remember WCW used to go on like two minutes before, three minutes before WWE. Oh yeah, yeah, and give away the results. Give away the results. It's so, cold business, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they used to sue each other back and forth. And WWF said WCW, and WCW said WWF on live TV. So, uh, which is crazy if people listening don't remember, but WWF. Uh, used to be pre-taped. So WCW was live because they owned the network and came on two minutes before so they can give all the results, which is fucking brilliant. That's great. So WWE was like, fuck it, we got to go live. So they went on at 8 o'clock, whatever, 7.58 or something. So WCW was like, okay, we're going to go out at 7.57. So they would just give all the results. And, and then Tony Schiavone said, uh, he's like, yeah, if you're thinking about switching over, don't do it because you're giving Mick Foley the title. What a stupid idea. And then, like, they said, like, right there from the Nielsen ratings or whatever, like, four million people switched over. Right. And fucking that was the turning point of the, the ratings. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> but I love Tony Schiavone. Like, uh, a lot of people don't, but I, I also like Gus Johnson. You probably like My Mongo McMichael, too. 
Uh, you know, he was uh, not in my favorite version of the Four Horsemen, but uh, that wasn't even a version of the Four Horsemen, in my opinion. I mean, that was a wash. Benoit, and, my, and then you know, Jesus Christ, Benoit. I mean, Dude, Arn Anderson looks like a plumber. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Benoit. Well, you know, he. Jesus, at least we know his finishing move worked. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Where was the kid's tag team partner? I mean, oh, dude, you're fucking... I know, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. I mean, like... Uh, but, you know, that era for WCW was was really that... that You know, they don't do today what they did for the NWO, which was that storyline, like, Hall came in one week, and then the next week it was Nash, and then there was a couple weeks of where they would show up, and, and then, you know, Hogan was kind of off TV. Mm-hmm. And, and so it literally took two to three months... And then uh, the the buildup was worth it, and uh, and then I thought the only moment that even comes close to that is the first Hogan Sting match, where Sting didn't wrestle for nine months. Right, didn't say anything for nine months, but he was always in the rafters. I hated that whole crow angle, man. I really bugged the hell out of it. I loved some of the end of Nitro. Uh, I was watching one the other day, and you talk about improv. I'll mix in a little comedy talk here. Uh, there was one Nitro where the NWO's beating up a couple jobbers. They're all in there. And uh, all of a sudden, a a sting drops from the rafters. And it's clearly a dummy. Oh, yeah. I, re- I remember that. I remember that. But it's brilliant. So he crashes through the mat. There's a hole in the mat. And you kind of see the wire juggling. So it's clear sting. The real sting is, yeah. you know, switching and they, uh, Mr. Perfect and Hogan drag him over the ropes where he's just like this, you know, his arms over. And uh, Hogan's like, you know, I'm going to wipe the smile off this dummy's face. And he touches him and then Sting takes the mask off. And he couldn't get the, uh, the hook unhooked. So, and it was great improv because everyone looked at each other like it was like an improv sketch. They were like, okay, we got to go to him now. And then like they gave each other little looks like, okay, you go first and you go first. And Mr. Perfect, is he's the best seller in the business. (laughs) Sting barely touched him. And he like did three cartwheels over to the other side of the ring, bounces off, flies back at, I mean, it was, it was just they don't do that hey, now, like man. what Ric Flair's go against a turnbuckle flip over yeah and then fall on his face the only <laughs> other uh sell job that's better is when uh and this goes to the politics of behind the scenes stuff is uh what was it Hogan and Shawn Michaels at Wrestlemania see and, I think I was out of it at that point but but dude I'm telling you YouTube this clip I, I think you just go Hogan Michaels selling and I guess Hogan was booked to win. Michaels didn't want a job, basically, which was what he was doing. I mean, I'm sure he hadn't jobbed to anyone in literally 20 years. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure Vince McMahon said, listen, you're losing. <laughs> Apparently, had a big, they had, behind the scenes, there was a big problem with Sean like that. Like, he never wanted to... Never wanted to do the job for anybody. It was always a pain in the ass to deal with. Well, I don't think... Uh, I can't imagine Hogan jobbing to anybody, so... Michaels to kind of fuck up the match oversold everything. Like Hogan would like do the leg drop and Michaels would kick his feet so high up in the air. He would basically cartwheel back onto his feet, (laughs) throw himself against the ropes. And then 
go over the road. I mean, it was just like so cartoonish, and you could see Hogan was getting pretty pissed. And, you know, oh wow! You know, it's it's. I don't laugh at much. I never fail to not laugh. Uh, Going back to this thing, then you know who created the crow character? Scott Hall, right? Yeah, good one, good, good. You know your shit. Right. Well, not real. <laughs> I'm gonna pull up that clip for you because I'm not doing it justice, but. Uh, you know, but I think that was like the last great, you know, Sting Hogan, you know, because then they brought in Warrior, which was a complete disaster. <laughs> that was stupid. That was Hogan not jobbing. I mean, I think he brought Warrior back for the sole reason of, I want to win now. And it would have been better if he lost again. Like people go, oh, we'll see a third match. And then he threw the fireball in his eyes. And it was like, kind of like Sergeant Slaughter did to Hogan. Yeah. Remember that? So, oh, man, I'm going to go call my mom. And I was like, Whoa, Yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> so, you know. Dude, that, think about this in wrestling. In WWF back in the day, right? This is like late, early 90s, late 80s. Dude, Sergeant Slaughter, right? The American fucking sergeant, right? G.I. Joe character, the full deal. He fucking, we're in the war with Iraq, and he turns into an Iraqi, like, General, sympathizer uh, no yeah dude that would never happen today think about it well i don't know about that uh, no if, <laughs> if, if, if right now a wf character wb character turn into isis member dude i'm telling you right now i was at the happen. wrestlemania when hassan muhammad hassan was like an al-qaeda character and he wait came, what there if you remember like uh I was this, out of it. this must have been about 2002 or three they had that wrestler Muhammad Hassan and he basically played in uh Al-Qaeda they didn't mean, they never mentioned Al-Qaeda but he was clearly was like he, did he have a shaved head short hair and he had a great manager this guy was probably the last great heel manager Davari I know him uh, though. oh he's <laughs> he's I never saw him wrestle though he, he didn't wrestle a ton. He was this guy's manager. Because uh, I think the, the, and the guy who played the Hassan, he, he didn't wrestle a lot after this because I, I don't think he was very well liked by the boys, huh. from what I understand. But so they had this guy basically cover for him on the mic. And, uh, you know, I remember once against The Undertaker, they had him come out in like these Al Qaeda, ISIS type like robes. And it was like, Jesus Christ, this is insane. Really. But you know, I never saw it. I, I mean, like, I, like we, we like he's dating a friend of mine who's actually uh, Ryan Shamrock. Uh, Ken, anything to do with Ken? Well, in in the <clears throat> Ryan Shamrock was her. She was in the WWF back in the day, and he, she played uh, Ken Shamrock's sister. In you know, through uh, as a work or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, and then he's like, yeah, he's a wrestler. I'm like, really? For who? He's like WWF. I'm like. Really? When? And he like told me the years. I got out of it like 2002. So and now he's in a, I found out he's on uh what's that? um The new wrestling organization that's in LA. Oh, Lucha. Yeah. Lucha. Yeah. Lucha. Lucha, Lucha Underground. Underground. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're watching the uh, Hogan <laughs> uh, Michaels overselling. This is the best. Like here, Hogan's going to kick him. <laughs> you know, it's just like this ridiculous, like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I usually don't watch video on a podcast that's audio only, but I try to entertain my guests. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this Christ. is the funniest fucking video I've ever seen in my life. Kudos to Shawn Michaels for uh, you know trying to ruin a match by being at least he was being funny. 
And uh, <laughs> this is uh, so Google Hogan Michaels oversell, and uh, you'll get a good laugh. I'm going to pull up one more, probably the greatest oversell ever, and that's when uh, Stone Cold is giving Scott Hall a stunner. And Scott Hall literally looks like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> um, we're just going to pull this up real fast, guys. I hope you're enjoying the uh, podcast. I know I am. All right, here we go. Funny. Watch this. Uh, Stone Cold Stunner on Scott Hall. Right. Guys, inappropriate earls on SoundCloud and iTunes. But wow. No, no, watch this one. Watch this one. The second one's even best. Be not this one. Here, here, watch this one. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't even know he existed in NWO and WWF. I was uh, so out of it at that point, man. That's so sorry about that, guys. Usually, I don't like to uh, watch videos with my guests. Well, this is just an audio only. Uh, that's pretty funny, though. Podcast, but uh, all right. So, how about some wrestling trivia? Why don't you hit me up some shit? I'll ask you some shit, and we'll okay. see what's going on. But, yeah, how about yeah. this? I got, I got one for you. How did they find? How did? How did they find Earthquake? I mean, how was he discovered? Yeah. In, I mean, in, in character, like in the the storyline. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I thought you were going to. How did they find him? Like, I would say he was working a toll bridge uh, gig. <laughs> John Tenta. Um, maybe that's too, too, too deep for you. There. Not at all. No, I knew okay. his real name. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying how they found him. But. Back in the day, it was the Dino, the Dino Bravo, the Canadian strongman. R.I.P. Yep. So he was like, uh, I think he got shot in the chest, by the way. Yeah. Was, uh, I want to get this out before I forget it. I think it was something to do with the Montreal mob and cigarettes. Wow. That's crazy. He's probably one of the few guys to not die from roids. Who, uh, who was his manager? Man, you're dropping the ball. Well, I, you know, just that's a guy I really didn't care about a lot, but uh, I shouldn't. Oh boy, I'm gonna guess the Grand Wizard. No, Jimmy Hart. Okay, well, so they're like he, he had. A, I'm the world's strongest man. Da da da. I'll I'll get anybody to do push uh, anybody to do push ups uh, on my back. I'll do push ups with anybody on my back. So everybody's like pointing up to the top, and there's fucking earthquake. All in blue, blue, baby blue shirt, jeans, white shoes, eating popcorn. And they're like, you, come down here. What's your name? And he's like, John. Okay, how much do you weigh? He was like 350 or something. He's like, okay, sit on my back. And he's like, he did like five push-ups. He's like, nobody can beat me. Cue the ultimate warrior music. Ultimate warrior runs down the ring like, Dino Bravo, I cannot beat you in push-ups or whatever. So he's like, all right, get on my back. And he's like, one. Too, and he was about to beat him whatever Dino Bravo did, and Earthquake jumped and sat on his back, and that's how they got him in. The, that, that's oh how, wow! That's the introduction with him. Wasn't he, he uh, Earthquake also a tag team guy with probably one of my favorite <laughs> characters ever? I think he might have been Typhoon, but yep. uh, another character Typhoon did was Hakeem. No, that wasn't him. Remember Hakeem? That's it's not him though. So who was Typhoon? Typhoon was oh god here we, we could go on for days with this typhoon was tugboat and tugboat became typhoon because he turned a whole kogan at the brother love show <laughs> i mean you know we're and i think we just lost about 97 percent of the viewers akeem <laughs> was the one-man gang who was managed by slick i'm telling you it's like probably the last great racist character <laughs> 
the WWE, uh, WWF at the time did was they had this huge white guy who was like, you know, kind of like a hillbilly gym almost type yeah. character. And they turned someone turned him in to like this jive talking brother. Jive and he, does, right? he would do like that, like, <laughs> yo, this is Hakeem the Dream. The, white, the, the African dream. Yeah, shit. Okay. And like, you talk like slick, basically. Slick was his manager. So another great, uh, you know, that's the greatest thing I see right now in the WWE is they've got the nerve to do these black uh, history month tributes when, and I talked about this last night with my guest where I don't think you can find a company that single handedly has put down the black race more than the WWE. Well, Hey, well, how about did they bring, they should bring back the nation of domination. Well, there's that there's fucking uh, JYD. I mean, a grown black man coming to the ring in a dog collar, having them bark on all fours. Uh, <laughs> No, that's what they did though. It's it's I'm not even trying to be funny. It, it's Shit. it's crazy that this guy was a real character and then Kamala who has no legs at this juncture. Uh, <laughs> that's right. By the way, uh please YouTube Kamala's uh song Push It on YouTube. It's another very very uh almost like a half shoot, half fun song where he talks about Pat Patterson fucking the Brooklyn Brawler in the room next door to him. And Wait, what? Yeah, he does like he's pretty bitter guy. You Kamala? know, yeah, he's, I think well, he has no legs. I want to say his name's James Harris. I might be off yeah. on his real name. Uh, and he has no legs now. Um, and he talks like this. Yeah. Ooh, Mr. <laughs> McMahon. But I've he, never gotten any royalties for my toys. Of course he didn't. What parent is going to have their kid buy a fucking doll of a black dude with a moon on his belly what I was mean, his manager's name oh shit that's now i gotta walk the kid the retarded kid to first base <laughs> kimchi yeah dude. there you go i actually met him once kimchi like here come on both my dad uh i mean my dad wasn't a celebrity but he was a well-known uh adventure slash businessman so he had a lot of interesting friends and uh i know i'm probably getting into too many details here but uh <laughs> he knew a very famous uh referee uh wrestler by the name of the count billy varga in the 50s and 60s so uh he's refereeing a uh, match at the olympic auditorium one day uh, he says hey jim uh, come on down bring earl you know i know he's a wrestling fan so long story short we go to the olympic auditorium and this shows you how crazy my dad was he just kind of walks off with billy varga and leaves this you know seven-year-old kid just in a you know backstage area with wrestlers and prostitutes and 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 just low-level grifters and i see kamala uh wearing like a polo shirt and khaki pants and he's talking to what i believe was kimchi just an asian dude and uh you know like regular clothes and they both look at me and they're like come here young man and uh, like, <laughs> do you want to leave the rest of this part out because it sounds like it could be a weird twist here and then like eight hours later i'm buns up in the shower <laughs> and i said hey dad i don't know what happened the last eight hours but my ass is killing me and then I see Pat Patterson standing over me. I like, got I, to see the Ugandan giant for real. But he started talking to me like, oh, are, are you here? Are you here for the match, young man? And I'm like, I literally looked at him and I'm like, you're Kamala, right? 
<laughs> and he's like, yes, young man, nice to meet you. What is your name? I'm like, my name's Earl, but what, it, what are you fucking speaking English for? <laughs> like, what are you speaking for? You know, you're supposed to be touching your belly and right. shit. But I was a mark, you know, I, I, I thought, how are you and kimchi speaking perfect English to each other? <laughs> I thought you communicated by like hitting your belly and he would like like guide you they had like some bizarre morris code that kimchi only kimchi would understand <laughs> yeah, and, right. but that just goes to show you back then i really thought kamala was some savage animal that vince mcmahon i hate to say that now these times but you know I thought, how did vince mcmahon get this animal over here from africa jerry lawler's the one that found them Oh, I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I brought him in the, the Memphis uh, area. He went backstage at a show. He's like, you're a big dude. What are you doing here? He's like, somebody told me to show up here. He's like, have you ever wrestled before? He's like, no. And they, they hit him. They're like, don't let anybody see you. We want to we wanna hide you. And then, you know, make you come out. People are like, holy shit, who's this guy? Like, oh, my God. Like, he's a cannibal from Uganda and all this shit. But we really believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love that. That's what I love. And I love it because it's a kid, but they just kept the... You know, the kayfabe thing, but it was just like everything was just so like the the people didn't ride together. If there were fucking heels or or faces, the heels stay with the heels, the faces stay with the faces. That was awesome shit, man. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like when I first even as a kid, when I first started to go, maybe wrestling's not real is when Eddie Gilbert uh, allegedly broke his neck. And the next week he was wrestling with. Uh, like a fucking thing around the second. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a broken neck. That's insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> or when Hulk Hogan supposedly broke his ribs because Earthquake sat on him and he did it so he could take time off to film Suburban Commando. Yeah, well, that no one blames him for like, that. I was like, no, Hogan, he's hurt. I was a fucking kid, man. I'm a lot younger than you, so. Well, I mean, come on. There's no need to. Uh... <laughs> I would put you out on Front Street right there. I mean, I did the cold open at the Last Supper. That's how old I've been. <laughs> But you know, I but then that's why I kind of like WCW in the in the beginning when they were s first starting to take off is like they would still do those like you know wacky angles because I think they thought wrestling fans are that dumb where they thought it was real like that one angle where the giant came uh this is when he still had hair and he looked like a caveman <laughs> yeah oh he had to do his you know that look in his hand. yeah he looked like Bam Bam <laughs> yeah he did and like the end this is like the NWO first went bad and they. They pushed him off a side of a building. What? Yeah, it was that they were on top of a roof somewhere, and like uh, they pushed him off the side, and like you're like Jesus Christ, this guy just fell off a forty story building, and then he comes into the ring and, and turns. Uh, he actually joined the NWO. I mean, it was a crazy angle, but that's what I definitely got. I got out of it probably like two thousand one, maybe. Like when I saw Stone Cold starting to play the guitar, I was like, all right, I'm out of here. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, that's when Vince Russo was booking WCW. It was awful angles. And, you know, they really, I think if they would. The, the Dude, they brought Dennis Rodman to win the fucking belt. David Arquette. David Arquette. Oh. Who was a uh, one of the best uh, guests ever on Inappropriate Earl, the great David Arquette. Oh, nice. Uh, he was a cool guy. But even he was like, I didn't really want to be the champion, but they had that movie Ready to Rumble coming That's out. That's right. That's right. And I was like, I mean, now I, I get the logic by, hey, let's Dude. make I get the logic. How about when RoboCop was in WCW? Tell me you've seen that clip. Well, he, come on, dude. I mean, <laughs> you know the Beatles broke up homes? <laughs> But that was, you know, WCW was always a little bit behind the WWE in terms of... Uh, Everything. 
Because no one took the time to realize, okay, and I'm assuming it wasn't Peter Weller in the costume. <laughs> Hell no. Uh, but no one thought, okay, here's what's going to happen in the match. They're going to lock Sting in the cage, and then <laughs> RoboCop's going to come down and rescue Sting. But no one was like, it's going to take X amount of time for a guy who could barely move to get to Sting. And so, like, they basically stopped the action in the middle of the match so RoboCop could unlock Sting. I a- mean, come on, man. I mean, that was just... That's why I hated WCW and shit like that. But that leads us to the greatest all-time botched angle, uh, the Shockmaster. Oh, my God. Who's Typhoon? Was that Typhoon? Yes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but that was such a crazy angle because Typhoon was the Shockmaster. Uh, oh, my God. I'm drawing a complete blank on who the voice was. Not Arn Anderson. But, it was Sid Vitt. No. Uh, no uh, Tully Blanchard. I, no, it was. The voice? The voice was. Uh, oh, my God. Who was in the original Horseman? Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Uh, uh, Ole Anderson. Ole it was Anderson. Ole Anderson was the voice. Oh, Okay. So that's the funny thing. If you notice when he trips and, you know, Typhoon's feverishly trying to get that Star Wars helmet back on. Oh, God. (laughs) You still hear his voice. Hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't ever seen that clip, please fucking download the, 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 just type in Shockmaster YouTube. It's the funniest fucking thing because it was so botched. And they had to, they built a, you know, because they had it rehearsed earlier that day and they, Something happened with the bottom of the fucking the set, so they had to put an extra two by four up top without telling him. So with the 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 walking, <laughs> it blocked his his. <laughs> it blocked how he walked in, so that's why he tripped and the the helmet came off. So they had yeah, they did a rehearsal in the morning where you know everything worked. He crashed through the wall. There was no there was a two by four basically at the bottom. So uh, when they did it live and. What's so funny <laughs> is the different wrestlers' reactions. And it almost is like the time, uh, you know, Sting couldn't get unhooked. And they, they had to do on-the-spot improv because Sid Vicious, if you watch the clip, and just, I think if you, there's probably a million Shockmaster things on YouTube. Put in WCW Shockmaster. Uh, yeah. When he falls down, Sid Vicious is tr- trying not to laugh. Yeah, he like turn, he turns around. And, and he's like, <laughs> and then Booker T says loud enough to go, oh, shit, he fell on his ass. <laughs> and then uh, so he gets the thing back on his head. And then uh, Ole Anderson's like trying to save it. And then Sid goes off on his own and is like trying to act insane to save it. And then, you know, Sting is kind of like he he there wasn't much for Sting to do. That was surfer Sting. I love uh, surfer Sting. Well, you can't do Surfer Sting now because he's balding in three spots. <laughs> Surfer Sting, the Stinger Splash, and the Scorpion Deathlock, man. You can't beat that. But I will say this, and I this is what this is why I wish there was competition for WWE because I don't really consider TNA competition. But no. like they have such a great angle with Sting. Never been in the WWE ring, never been on WWE TV. So you think that Survivor Series when he, which was pretty cool to see him walk out and and he should have came down from the Raptors. Well, they're probably a little scared after the yeah. Owen Hart thing. Uh, they don't want Sting, who's probably fifty six at this juncture, to that would not look good. But here's what blows me away: it's like, and Sting's my favorite wrestler of all time, but you know he's fifty six. 
He's balding in three areas. No one from the WWE makeup department looked at him before they sent him out there and go, hey, uh, let's put some of that spray on shit. Just yeah, like, right. like, you know, like, you know, it's like no one wants to see an old sting. You and I don't want to see an old sting wrestle Triple H, to be honest with you. I think they got to find somebody better to, for him to. The, to uh... Well, here's my idea, and it's too late because it's going to be Sting and Triple H. And I think Triple H will job to him. I'm oh, assuming yeah, of Sting said, hey, I'm not losing what could be his only match. I'm not losing my one and only match. So I think Triple H will do the job to him. I'm assuming they might bring him back in Texas next year for The Undertaker. They both retire. That's what I heard. That's what I read. Well, that's what I read. But what I would like to see them do, and it, yeah, I guess it's not too late, is you got to put it. Sting and Triple because Triple H is not exactly nimble anymore. His body's broken down. I read it. I heard an interview with him recently on Stone Cold's podcast. He said he feels like a hundred percent fine. I mean, he might. I don't, you know. But I just, I think they'd be wise to put either a Seth Rollins or especially a Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, or even possibly a Dolph Ziggler. You need someone who could take the bumps. Who you just have Sting? Okay, put him in a Scorpion Death Drop. Put him in a Death Lock. Do the Stinger Splash. Uh, you know, maybe a couple other basic moves to put Sting over. You know, I, I just Sting can't move. Man. Yeah, I mean, the best thing would be Undertaker versus him. But who's gonna lose? How do you do that? Unless you have what they call the the Broadway, and you know, like where it's a tie. But you can't. I mean, it's just. A, it's just. If they would have not made him lose to Brock Lesnar, that would have been the perfect way to fucking end it. Yeah. Lose the streak. He retires. Sting goes over. Boom. Amazing. But I don't think Vince McMahon would have ever done that. Although I agree that's, you know, of course, it's the perfect way that they would never do. Because he would never have a WCW guy. Literally the WCW guy. Even Flair went back and forth a few times. Yeah. You'd never have a WCW only guy beat. The, the you know maybe the greatest uh, certainly the greatest WrestleMania wrestler of all time. It just <coughs> you know it's like how they buried Booker T in his first show there. Yeah, you know, they, if you they, they they gave it to the people that probably were talking shit behind the scenes for a long. Time. But I don't think Booker T did, and he's recovered. But if you remember the first time he came out, you know he, people were like all excited, and then The Rock comes out and just one. And I think Sting even mentioned <laughs> this as to why he never came to WWE. The Rock just looked at him in one sentence, buried him like, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. And it's like his soul is like, "Oh, can you feel it, sucker?" sucker. <laughs> Which, by the way, is my favorite commercial of all time—the Swanson's Hungry Man commercial, where this really white family is eating dinner. All of a sudden, an enraged, shirtless, you know, almost animalistic Booker T crashes through the window and takes the dad's dinner and goes, Get your own sucker! <laughs> you know, a really good way to portray the uh, African-American race there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, I mean, dude, we could talk all day. I mean, this yeah. podcast, I mean, we are almost at an hour and a half. This is no joke. Damn. Uh, well, I mean, we have a mutual love of wrestling uh comedy uh music. music we didn't even get into the music There's stuff so much shit we could talk about <laughs> i mean because we could have a podcast uh and we will and my goal with this podcast with guests in all seriousness is i want people uh to go oh this guy josh is pretty funny check out your websites or yeah. or and i want to hear more right right right, right. Which, which is why i don't like to blow it all out in one episode uh I mean, shit, at this point, we could do a fucking wrestling one, a UFC one. I mean, there's so a many. A music one. A uh, music one. Because you and I have a complete opposite. Uh, we b we're both metal fans, but you like 
Like what what band? Name your top three bands of all time. Yeah, and they don't have to be metal if they're not metal bands. Uh, well, my top three bands of all time are Metallica, Queen, and Morbid Angel. Right. See, mine would be uh, literally Kiss, Rat, and uh, oh, I don't know, uh, the Cars. Wow, I like Kiss. I like Kiss a lot. I mean, well, now it's not even really Kiss. It's like the Jewish Menudo. I mean, <laughs> they're dressing guys. This Peter is, uh, you know, my buddy uh, Eric Singer, great drummer. He and uh, Alice Cooper uh, used to be Alice Cooper's like main drummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in Kiss now, and uh, I kind of feel bad for him because it's like he has to. He'll never say this, but he has to really dumb down his playing. Oh, big time! You know, I mean, Peter, Chris, uh, at this point. It blows me away that Kiss fans, uh, you know, they're like, oh, we want Peter and Ace back. It's like, they can't even fucking play, man. Well, not even that. I heard a podcast, actually on Joe Rogan's thing and Chris Jericho's podcast, the way Paul Stanley put the whole why they never brought Chris and uh, uh, Peter Chris and uh, Ace Fraley back, like his full members, man, he put the way he put it was really good, man. It's like, we built this thing up ourselves. They left the band for a long time. Why should we cut them back in after we kept this thing alive for a long time? And if you look at it from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. You got to hear him say it, though. Oh, no, I agree. Uh, and that, that's what I love about Rogan's podcast is like, you know, you would think, oh, he's going to be narrow-minded and just have UFC guys on. And, and you know, he. I don't I don't know Joe well, uh, although he's always nice to me at the comedy store. Uh, he doesn't strike me as someone who's like a huge Kiss fan, but he, he has, you know, someone who he might not necessarily be a huge fan of on a show, and I like that. He um, had an awkward moment with uh, P, uh, Paul Stanley on his show. Oh, what was it? Talking about uh, downloaded music, and like Paul, like, Joe Rogan's kind of like, oh, it's fine, it's okay. And Paul Stanley was very at like, no, it's stealing. And they went back and forth, back and forth. And they're basically like, okay, well, we'll we'll agree to disagree. It was like, whoa. Like, it was just interesting here because Paul Stanley's very adamant, like, that's stealing. Because he's an old school dude, you know? And Joe Rogan, you know, he's a young, obviously younger than Paul Stanley, but at the same time, like, sees, like, where things are today. And Paul Stanley's like, no, that's stealing. I don't care what way you look at it, it's stealing. And they just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was just like, okay, well, let's just move on from that. I mean, I would agree with Paul on that, and I, I see both sides of the spectrum. I definitely know, you know? Joe could kick my ass. So, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I can see both sides of the spectrum, but you know, it's just different times, man. It's like the music industry is hard, and that's something. I mean, shit, that's something for a whole other conversation. But I mean, I stepped away from music for a while because it's just it's a lot of shit is just way different. You know, I play drums and a bunch of other shit but it's like i said a topic for another conversation right but you uh and we'll just we'll say this as a teaser uh you were involved with danzig uh no, 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 no. i played drums for my whole life i had uh basically created a name for myself when i was around 15 somewhere around there uh it was like the kind of like the people i took a lot of bands out in new orleans when they come through town and how i did that it's a whole nother topic but i would email them and all this other shit but it's a funny story that's why my my twitter handle is what it is it's which is what at the josh v t-h-e-j-o-s-h-v and people are like v's and victor and people are like kind of like oh like the josh is you're trying to be pretentious i'm like no because when people finally met me they couldn't believe it was a 15-year-old kid. Right. Like, you're like, the Josh? I'm like, yeah, it's me. And they're like, they probably thought the whole time, because this is before Facebook, all that shit. They didn't know what I looked like. I was just some kid emailing. Like, hey, man, when you get in New Orleans, I'll take you out. And I used to do that with a lot of bands that are really well-known now. So it's funny how that's how it happened. So I got a Vanilla Ice with me being in his band when I was 17. I uh, turned that down. I turned on a lot of bands. Uh, 
bass player Danzig, when Joey Castillo left, he wanted me to play for him at the time. I turned that down. I just turned out a lot of stuff, focused on my band, which is called Choleric. Put that on hold, did that for a while, put that on hold, ended up playing drums with a Three Six Mafia hip hop group, which is weird coming from the metal world. They saw me play, they wanted me to play. Played with them for like five years. A lot of things happened from that, blah, 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 blah. We'll save that for another day. Yeah, oh yeah. So I came from rock, metal. I was finalist for World's Fastest Driver for Double Bass uh, like three years in a row. And I was doing it as a joke. And I went up there and did it and got like third place. Uh, just a lot of shit. So I just have a, a weird story. And so that's kind of led me into the three, six thing. And now I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. I have a DJ drummer thing and have a marketing company and blah, blah, blah. So, well, all right, man. Uh, enough babbling about myself. <clears throat> I rather when we talk about the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, I want people, uh, the whole goal and not that you need my help and, uh, you know, uh, publicizing, uh, your ventures and, and, but you know, I want people to go, Oh, he's a drummer. Well, I'll, maybe I'll look up him on Facebook and Twitter and are you yeah. on Instagram too? And- I do, but I don't really use it that much. I mean, it's just so, it's just so much shit to like my Facebook. I keep private, like, you know, the Twitter thing, I guess I, that's where I converse with a lot of people. I don't know. And people are like, Oh, you gotta do better than that. It's just like, just so much shit to keep up with, man. It's like, okay, let me put it to my Facebook and then my Twitter and what's their handle and what's the Instagram thing and what about Vine? I'm like, God damn, man. Can we just have a one-stop shop for all this? So, you know, uh, but I've been kind of like in the sidelines for a while and I just hated the music industry for a long time, man. I hated dealing with musicians. I hated a lot of stuff and I lost the <clears throat> the motivation to play. And uh, things changed within the last year. And uh, within the last six months, and I'm like, I missed it. So I'm going to get back into it this year. All right. Well, that's a good place to uh, end it. Uh, give out your Twitter address one more time and really yell it into the mic. It's at the Josh V as V as in Victor. And, uh, and my website's thejoshv.com. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Just look me up. There's shit all over the place, like YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to look at if you're bored. Check that out. You'll find me around, and uh, you'll yeah. come back for more, man. Absolutely, inappropriate Earl. Thank you very much for having me. Kicking ass, and uh, we could talk all day. So yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's uh, I love part of the reason I did this podcast is to have friends like you on and just people I like. I mean, that's the best thing about a podcast. It, whether you know you're Mark Maron, Joe Rogan, or, or someone who's pretty unknown, and me. Uh, uh, except in certain rare circles that you just you get to interview people you like people you don't have to deal with anyone you don't want to deal with and uh, you get to expose your friends to hopefully an audience for their products and uh, you know services or entertainment uh, you know if they're a singer music uh, comic whatever so uh, just have a good fucking time talking yeah yeah and uh, you know I got to see you at the gym every day so I got to be nice <laughs> right? to you so guys <laughs> This has been a, another episode of Inappropriate Earl, episode, I believe, 53. We're just, we're just chugging along like a, like a little baby boy up a hill. And uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a review for us. And I leave all the bad ones up. They're not many, but one guy said I should ask questions like Eddie Trunk does. And that uh, made me want to uh, rip out my larynx. Uh, and I love Eddie Trunk, by the way. I appreciate what he does for the metal community because, as Josh knows, uh, that metal show, and I, I don't really plug other people's podcasts, and I don't think Eddie cares uh, about my plug, but uh, Eddie Trunk is uh, one of the few who 
still uh, expose 80s uh, music to the masses. So, uh, but uh, I, I find him a little too ass kissy with his questioning, uh, my taste. Right. But uh, like I said, I'm sure he doesn't care about my opinion. Eddie, don't listen to me because <laughs> I'm not listening to the guy who told me to ask questions like you. So uh, I love you, Eddie Trunk. I'd love to have Eddie Trunk on the podcast. Eddie, yeah, come on. Cool. Come on. Come on, inappropriate Earl, baby. Help a brother out. Uh, and this will be out uh, sooner than later. And thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, I'm at the Comedy Store a lot. So uh, if you want to see me there, just uh, call the Comedy Store. Say, when is Big Earl playing? <laughs> Especially if you're a chick with D-cups. Yeah.